you're you're can, clear to speak. You're making all that damn noise in the background. You are listening to the Give Me Five podcast, episode eight zero. Wow. We've been doing this for 80 episodes. This is the Give Me Five podcast, a semi-entertaining show about very entertaining. My name is Rob, and currently my stomach has the full contents for a family of 12. <laughs> what Rob is saying is that he ate a lot today. I did. I that did. is not at all what I wrote on the script, sir. It is It is not, but I like mine better. And as always, I'm joined by Greg. I'm a little teapot, Marcus. Hello. I am, ha- well, not halfway through. I am eight movies into my Marvel marathon leading up to the release of Avengers Endgame. I am uh, halfway into Thor The Dark World, and uh, my mind is about to break. God, yet busted. So many left. 13 left, or 12 left, because I'm not going to be able to watch uh, Captain Marvel again unless I go to the theater. And we've also got Jimmy, what just happened? What just happened? Uh, let me tell you something that happened today at work. Look, as a um, as an artist, and, and Greg, I, I know that you feel the same way. As an artist, you know, presenting in front of a class every day, every time you do an example, you're just like, don't have it look like a dick. Don't have it look like a dick. Yep. <laughs> and inevitably, whatever you make always ends up looking like a dick. Now, <laughs> I, I don't actually get the, the penis. Mine always ends up looking like, like a ball sack. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, now I'm always so concerned about that. Now, I thought I had a total safe bet today. We were streaming the presentations from the National Association of Broadcasters. That is NAB out of Las Vegas. And a presenter came on and his name is Nick Denbor. Now of his presentation. <laughs> he also goes by the name Smearball. So I guess that should have been some kind of indication, but they played his demo reel. And if you look it up, if you look up Nick Denbor, D-E-N-B-O-E-R, or Smearball's Reel 2018, you'll see what I'm talking about. Demoril came on, weird shit started happening, 3D models in bondage gear with knives in their heads and humping each other and just, oh, oh my god. There was like a naked chick on those porta potties in the, um, the video, the dead mouse video with like tassels. I was like, whoa. <laughs> and a tour walks by the classroom. I look the tour guide directly in the eyes and we both just have this look of horror. And I couldn't get over to the machine fast enough to freeze the video, so it probably just scarred the lives of some children today. I had to go up and tell our boss about it. Hey, if you get any complaints, this is what happened. He said, that's cool, as long as you didn't take your clothes off. <laughs> These are the people I work with, and it's wonderful. Those are the standards. <laughs> hey. As long as you keep your clothes on, we're good, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be a problem for me. This week, we don't have any of that stuff. What we do have on tap for this week is Pet Cemetery, And I'm very interested to find out, because I believe Jimmy has seen Pet Cemetery as well as the original Pet Cemetery, And I'd like to know how they compare. I just watched the original today, so you're in for a treat. Well done, sir. And he, urine. he totally said urine. He did. He did. He said you're in for a treat. He likes urine for treat. Um, That's not- we also have Shazam. 
Sometimes. As well as a new TV show, Whiskey Cavalier. Right. Also, at the end of the show, this week's host, that's me, will have the opportunity to rant about something on their mind. This is a review show, and there will definitely be spoilers, so we will try our best to avoid any major twists. So if we are talking about something that you haven't seen, read, or listened to yet, then use your own discretion. Guys, what do we got new in the world of entertainment? I just got one little quick story. Oh, God. That there is going to be a Hawkeye series on Disney+, Plus, the streaming service, uh, starring Jeremy Renner. Oh, nice. And it's uh, going to be, I believe, they're going to do a couple limited series on there. Uh, the Hawkeye series, I believe, is going to be about eight episodes. Good. Um, which is perfect, right? Good. In the, the wheelhouse. Uh, I, there's a few others they mentioned. Apparently, there's a, you, someone put on the script, there's a Monsters, Inc. one as well. And I think that's going to have the original voice cast also. I did. I put that there. Yeah. Um, I saw a picture of the original voice cast. I didn't realize it was going to be Disney+. Plus, But so the people that do subscribe to yet another service will be able to kind of go deeper into the characters from the Marvel Universe as well as see a nice little show. Uh, I believe the Monsters, Inc. one is going to show them on different various uh, scare jobs. So yeah, they're going to pile on these Disney shows and maybe uh, we'll see if I decide to do it for a couple months. It'd be definitely at least worth a trial. Yes. I also got some news today. All right. Um, Netflix swooped in and rescued one of the shows that I really enjoyed, and I just found out that I, they are they're releasing one. Lucifer yeah. season four on May eighth. Ooh, yeah, I actually saw that headline and I had no context for it, so it just said Lucifer renewed for season four, and I was like, why would you do that? And I was like, oh, the TV show, not the actual devil. You, so you. Wait, are you telling me you actually looked at the news story and thought someone had renewed the devil for season four? Yes. It's like, why would you do that? I. What else we got? <laughs> <laughs> Rob. Rob is so full of food that he can't even show disgust. <laughs> if he shows any disgust, he will vomit on himself. <laughs> what, 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 what else do we uh, What did you have at Four Rivers? No, not important. I'm, I'm just really hungry now. Oh, they freaking got rid Oh. Uh -oh. They got rid of my favorite item on the menu. They don't have the prime rib anymore. Oh. Yeah, that's what I said. They still well, have the tri-tip, which is the thing that I get. Nice. Um, I do have a quick story real quick, and I have to thank bloodydisgusting.com, bloody-disgusting.com for this. My favorite source for all news horror. Is that um, is that B-L-O-O-D-Y-H-Y-P-H-E-N-D-I-S-G-U-S-T-I-N-G? No. Bloody B-L-O-O-D-Y hyphen or or dash as the kids call it disgusting.com so good one um it is all over the internet though uh speaking of being scarred for life uh children in ipswich england were accidentally shown trailers for the movies ma and the new james gunn produced brightburn before the movie oh, peppa god. pig festival oh my of god wow so if you guys haven't seen the trailer for ma yet um it's really weird this woman like befriends a group of teenagers and she lets them come over to her house and drink and have parties and stuff yeah it's um but she gets oh what's her name um octavia spencer, yeah, spencer yes, yes. yeah yeah so a wonderful actress and yes, fantastic. really gave me some creepy vibes but i guess she like kills him or something <laughs> and then brightburn it's the evil superman's you know origin story he's like they show, you know, glass being pulled from someone's eye. So the theater messed up. Now, a, a or woman, did they? Uh, maybe. Uh, 
Charlie Jones, a mother of a two-year-old and 10-month-old, 10, 10 said, and quote, normally I would expect her about her daughter. Uh, normally I would expect her to be singing and dancing when watching something like Peppa Pig, but she was just really subdued. So the kid was sitting there in shock the whole time. And uh, she goes goes on to say, I tried to cover her eyes during the trailers and told her that they were silly films for mummies and daddies because British people call their mothers mum. But there were lots of kids crying, and she was very f confused and started crying, too. And theater officials released a statement saying, as soon as the staff – I should be doing this with a really bad British accent. You should. As soon as the staff – as soon as the staff on site were made aware of the situation, the oh program, <laughs> with an E on the end of it, was stopped and trailers were taken off screen immediately. We do sincerely apologize for this and for any distress caused, and we'll be reviewing our internal procedures to ascertain how this came to be. Now, wait, if you're going to try to really sell the British accent, I don't think you need to, I, I think I you need to mention the E at the end of program. I think it just kind of is. It's like you don't say I ate Chinese food in China. You just ate food in China. But they put an E on the Also, you probably shouldn't do an Australian accent when you're doing it either. I don't know the difference. <laughs> I've been told that my British accent is so bad. No. They're accurate. So, thanks. So, uh, children are scarred from that, and, you know, hopefully they'll be okay, but you gotta learn sometime, kids. Yep. Okay, Was that does that cover our, our news here? I think so. Excellent. Uh, well, guys, I believe that leads us up to Snap Decisions. Hit it! So, right, oh. oh. We both have one, so Jimmy, you're going first because yours is a little more traditional. It's it is more traditional. Um, have you guys heard about the new Netflix, uh, like Planet Earth documentary? Yes, our okay. planet did, or whatever it is. Yes. Now, okay. did you hear about the backlash that they've been uh, facing? No. All right. No, you haven't. Neither. Are no, you? I haven't. All I right. I think I saw something, but I don't remember what it was because because I thought it was weird. Now, there's a scene in the documentary where now it's up for debate. So one team says, oh, these, um, you know, walruses, the walrus eye, were escaping the receding ice due to climate change, which I guess doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, somebody else said, no, it was definitely a polar bear attack when you never see a polar bear, but they were all trying to get up this mountain. Now it's pretty visceral footage. These walruses just fucking fall off the cliff. And they, they show the footage of these walruses just falling to their deaths. Um, a lot of people are pissed off at Netflix for showing that. And I want to know what your opinion is. Do you think, is that responsible filmmaking? Is it irresponsible? Or, hey, that's fucking life. There it is. How do you feel? I will go on this one. Go so... I'm kind of a, of the impression that's life. Um, you can't prove a point about anything if you don't mm -hmm. show the results. So if you're, which I, I I think what I did see is that yes, the the things are melting way faster than they should be, leaving these ridges that these various animals can't climb up, or not enough ice to get back to where they're supposed to eat. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of besides the point. So they get the footage of it. It's not like they're pushing the walruses off. No, um, not like and it's the not like Disney. they could have. Yeah, not like the lemurs or the lemmings. Uh, and it's not like they could have done anything to save. It's not like they're going to have a dude running around and they're trying to catch walruses. Those things are like a ton. Yeah. I mean, they weigh like a, a literal ton. Yeah. Now, the only the only thing I would have a problem with is um, without there being some sort of warning at the beginning of the show, because those are the type of shows I would like to watch with my kid. 
Sure. And there are certain things I don't want to explain to them. And these are shows that they will show in school and stuff like that from time yeah. to time. So with a warning, um, okay. it's life. Because if fair. they're trying to show nature in its true form, that is something Nature's that Nature's a savage beast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what do you think, Rob? Is it the, uh, there's like a Nature is Fucking Lit website page or something, or Nature is Metal Reddit page. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, alligators well, eating lions while they're being eaten by a shark or something. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and and my opinion kind of lines up. I mean, as long as they're not staging it and causing these animals to die, I mean, that's that's kind of what it is. It's life. I mean, you can't you can't follow a pod of walruses, have the entire pod die, and then just be like, oh well, you know, they disappeared. No, I mean, it's if that's what you're filming, that's what you're filming, and it's unfortunate that they died, but you know, that's kind of how nature. So, I'm actually yes, sort of impressed the, with your walrus knowledge. I, our wal- a group of walruses called a pod. I'm, I'm going to look that up. I go ahead. I I I just called it a. Um, you know, because whales are in a pod and they're kind of whales. Um, so you come along with that. Yeah, I was. Um, yeah, they are. So yeah, I mean, you you can't really you can't really follow a group of walruses, have them all die out, and then just be like, oh, that's the end of the show. No, I mean, it's it's, it's part of life. That's what it is. Nature is brutal. It is. Put a warning yeah. on it and and put it out there. I am less impressed. A group of walruses is, in fact, called a herd. Thank you, oh, uh, walrusfacts.com. Thanks, walrusfacts. I said walrus. Um, so I can't spell my name. I can't talk. Um, I'm with you guys. I agree with it. Uh, I didn't even think about the warning. Um, I think that is a good idea. You know, hey, this contains graphic content. Uh, you know, you probably shouldn't have your kids watch these walrus, you know, herds of walrus fall off a mountain. Um, I did see the footage. It's pretty, it's pretty, it, it hits you in the stomach. You know, I, I think all three of us are animal lovers and, uh, you know, it, it kind of hurts to see that. But again, that's, that is life. It's an uh, unfortunate, you know, part of nature that those things happen. Um, but I think instead of your armchair activism and getting on Twitter and, and going all huff and puff and I'm unsubscribing to Netflix, why don't you donate to a nature conservation fund? It's actually, it's a great, um, yeah, the the whole, the whole stick my head in the sand and ignore that there's a problem doesn't really work. Yeah. Throw five bucks to the way of your favorite charity for, for animals, you know, why don't don't you try doing, uh, so nature's brutal. Just ask that Jim from Auburn. No. I saw oh. the still image and I refused to watch mm. the video. I couldn't. Yeah, I, I and and I have a strong I, stomach and I didn't even watch the video. I just saw the picture. I was like, "Ooh, that's no good." Um, I had to watch. I had to watch the video really small, like a thumbnail. Yeah. So what we're talking about? Unfortunately, an Auburn gymnast dislocated both of her knees on a floor routine. She has since retired from the sport. But good lord, it's awful. If you retire from the sport. I retired from watching any sports related videos on YouTube. And yeah, actually, immediately after seeing that that video happened, I went and watched uh, the what's the soccer video that I love that everyone loves the uh, Scott Ster- Scott oh, Sterling uh, Scott, Scott Sterling! Sterling yes Scott Sterling. If you guys haven't seen it, please yes. look it up. Do yourself a favor. Okay, uh, no, it's, a, it's actually a, a BYU page if I remember correctly, like a comedy thing that's that's based at BYU. At least that's where I saw it. I'm not sure if it's there, but okay. Um, I've got a little thing here that sounded dirty, uh, but we're going to, we have got something big coming up this weekend and we've got something big coming up yeah. the following weekend. <laughs> this weekend, of course, Game of Thrones is back. 
This is your first reminder, but oh, not yeah. your last reminder, that we actually also do a Game of Thrones podcast that is kind of a special edition of this podcast, and I'm not looking forward to editing both of those episodes mm. in one week. I'm not but looking forward we will to do doing it. But I am, because yes. I love you guys. And so check that out. And uh, so anyway, we've got Game of Thrones this coming weekend. We have got the Avengers Endgame the following weekend, and just got me thinking, and we're going to do a little game here. Uh, can you guys name... Any actors, and don't look this up because you can look it up pretty easily, uh, any actors that have been in both a Marvel Pictures and Game of Thrones. And, that, and when I say <laughs> Marvel Pictures, I don't just mean like the, the typical ones, but you can also talk about like the X-Men ones and the Spider-Man ones and all that stuff. Oh, any, um, and, and also yeah, the like, TV shows. Uh, uh, Sophie, what's her face? Yep, okay, so you got That's some, an easy one. Sophie, yeah, Sophie Turner. Face? We've Sophie got Turner. Sophie Turner is uh, Sansa and Jean Grey. Who's Sean Bean? In who was Sean? Yeah, but who was he in? Um, in him, he was not. I don't know. <laughs> he's just he's just <laughs> saying names. <laughs> We've got Sophie Sophie Turner. Um, there. Yep. Uh, here's one. I, I'm going to give you guys some hints because I know this is a little difficult. Um, I like this one. This one's good. Yeah. So, uh, here's a hint. We recently talked about him because he he played uh, Jimmy in a movie about Motley Crue. Uh huh. Oh. Um. I I don't. Know. Oh. Oh. Um. Uh, oh, it's a weird name. Brandon. No. Oh, yeah. yeah. You got Ryan, it. Ryan. Uh, uh, no, wait, no. Uh, it's, it, I don't, it's what I is it? Ryan, Ryan. It's, Ryan. it's you and Ryan, but it's I-W-A-N, Ryan. Uh, he played both Ramsey and he was also Maximus in the Inhumans okay. TV show, which was terrible. So I totally understand if you don't watch that. Okay. Let's see here. Uh, uh, okay. So this, there is an actor who was, he was replaced on Game of Thrones and also he was Francis. I don't know his name. Uh, Dario Nargent. Yeah. Dario. Yeah, Dario Nargent and, and Ajax. So that's Ed Screen. Ed Screen. Right. He was also in uh, Alita Battle Angel. Yeah. And there's there's a big one that you're missing. And a big one is what they had to do to this person in Avengers Infinity War. Oh, um, Peter Dinklage. Yep. Okay, now here's one. The reason I thought of this, there's one in Captain America and I vaguely remembered the part, but I did not realize it was her until I watched it again recently. So it's a female. Yep, it's female. And in the first in the first Captain America movie, they they're successful with making Captain America Captain America, and then there's a female spy that blows up the lab, killing the doctor. Mm-hmm. That was Melisandre. Um, no, she's younger. That was the. Um, she's pretty murderous in uh, Game of Thrones, but that's really not saying much. That was Lena Headey. Younger. That was uh, Arya. Nah, too young. Uh, it was <laughs> about the same. Very similar to Sophie Turner, both in her in her character in Game of Thrones. Well, I guess just in her character in Game of Thrones. So that's uh, Natalie Dormer. Actually, Marjorie Terrell was also the the blonde spy that blew up the lab. So I thought that was kind of an interesting one. Okay. Anybody else? Um, the other ones are actually a little bit harder. We're terrible. The, the one that's easy, you did, you did say, you did say Maisie Williams. Maisie Williams is actually in the new Mutants movie, but it hasn't come out yet. Okay. So that one's kind of a, that would be kind of a, I didn't count that one really. Um, the other two, the other ones are Finn Jones, who played Iron Fist, but he was also Loris Terrell. Oh yes, he was. Uh, Jessica Henwick, who was, uh, one of the Sand Vipers, uh, Nymeria Sand, and she played Colleen Wing and on the, um, Defenders and Game of Thrones, other people. And the last one, actually, this was kind of a bigger one. Uh, I don't remember the character too much in Game of Thrones, but Ornella, the Dothraki widow, 
I guess when in season six, there's a bunch of Dothraki widows, uh, was the same actress that played Ghost in Ant-Man and the Wasp. So that is Hannah John Kamen. So those are the, those are the ones so far that I have found. Interesting. That's a going through there. fun game. Good yeah. job on that. Yes, and, you know, if you, any of you guys out there happen to think of any others or see any others, um, let us know. Because there, there, there might be some that are just voiceovers, stuff like that. There's there's quite a few surprises as a, as you go back and watch those movies. You're like, oh, wow. Oh, so, I get it. That's what I have for you. Is Judge Dredd Marvel? No. Judge Dredd is uh, some British company. Yeah, I thought of that one too. But, like, there, yeah, mm. there's so many people that you're like – like Kate, Kate Mara, I, so good. Like Kate Mara wasn't like I forgot that she was in that. She was the the person that hands Tony Stark the uh, the summons, and she ended up you know being a pretty big star. Okay, let let's uh, let's move on here. I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. I don't want to live my life again. Thank you, Greg Ramon, for that rousing rendition. Uh, you just go ahead and bring me to the thing I was going to talk about last, but that song does play in the credits, although it is covered by Starcrawler. Hmm. It's not too bad. I was very pleased. Now, guys, I saw Pet Cemetery last night in the theaters, and I got home a l- not early today. I got home today, and I was like, well, I kind of got... A lot of stuff done already, so you know what I'm gonna do. Guess what I did? What you did? You killed a cat and then buried it in a pet cemetery. I would never do such a thing. Oh, me either. Yeah. Okay. I watched the original Pet Cemetery, so I could have a point of reference. Now I have not read the book, so I'm just going. And I know you've seen pets at the original Pet Cemetery I... before, but how long has it been? Uh, man, probably 20 years. Okay. So Pet Cemetery, the Reimagining of 1989's Pet Cemetery, based off the 1983 novel by the same name by Stephen King, the master of horror, directed by Kevin Kolsch and Dennis Widmeyer. The movie stars Jason Clark, who you might remember from uh, War for the Planet of the Apes, or was it one of them? I don't know. He's got a very recognizable face. Small mouth. He does have a small mouth. He stars as Dr. Lewis Creed. We've got Amy Simetz as Rachel Creed. John Lithgow is in it as Judd Crandall. Absa Ahmed plays Victor Pascal. Jate Lawrence is Ellie Creed. It's like triplets played the played Gage, so I don't need to go into it. Now, Dr. Lewis Creed moves his family to the town of Ludlow, Maine, which is a small town far away from the hustle and bustle of Boston, where he worked in the graveyard shift in the ER. Uh, so they're moving in kind of the same story to get a fresh start, you know, and things don't go as planned. Uh, so it's one of those. Um, very early into their, and I'm not going to do a full synopsis here, but very early into his job at this new practice uh, on a college campus, Students bring in Victor Pascal, who has just been hit by a car and is in pretty gnarly shape. Uh, that sets off a real series of events for Dr. Creed. Um, he's starts to get visited by Victor. Now, here's the, the first big difference that you notice about the, the movie and, you know, the, the movie that came out in 1989. Rob, how do, how well do you remember Victor's character? 
Not at all. I, in okay. fact, I'm not even sure I saw the original one, but I okay. was, that's I was all right. interested in comparing them anyway. So I'm going to compare it to American Werewolf in London. Uh, Jack continues to show up and visit David long after he's dead. Jack is funny. He's kind of endearing. Mm-hmm. So is Victor from the 1989 film. He's kind of charming. You know, he, he's offering to help the doctor because the doctor tried to help him before he passed. And basically he's saying the barrier can't be crossed. Don't do what you, you feel like you need to do. Don't go burying shit in the pet, in the beyond the wall. Um, I'll get to that in a second, but the character that plays Victor in this version is super duper serious, which is like, ah, I don't think I liked it as much because he'll just show up and be like, don't cross the border where he'll Very show dramatic. Like he's just super dramatic and the practical makeup effects are kind of goofy in the new one. They look better in the old one. Huh. So not to take away from it too much or anything, but basically what I'm talking about, there's the pet cemetery, right? Yeah. There's a wall, like maybe 12 feet high of uh, debris beyond that. That's the border. You don't cross that. In the pet cemetery, that's where the dead speak. Uh, beyond the border is where the dead come back to life. Uh, so yeah. this pet cemetery is. There's some lore built into this, which I like. There is. There, yeah. There I'm never is. going to see it, but there's. I know. <laughs> um, so the lore behind it is that uh, the Micmac tribe who had occupied that area. Paddywhack? Patty cake, patty cake. <laughs> Greg and another man. So <laughs> there's a, that's for you, Jubals. There's a, a 12, like a 12 foot high wall that the Micmac tribe built. And that was to keep people out. So a common element in Stephen King stories is that these events take place in areas where the barrier between worlds is either really thin. It's decaying. It's broken somehow but it isn't strong. Now, a bunch of his stories take place in Deary, Maine. A lot of the events from the Dark Tower take place in the fictional town of Deary, Maine. What I thought was really interesting about this, there's a scene where Dr. Creed's wife is driving. She's stuck in traffic, and there's a sign that says Deary, 20 miles. And that's the only reference to it. So anyway, back to the lore of the story. The uh, area beyond the wall which now this isn't this is not in the 1989 version is but in this one is said to be inhabited by the Wendigo. So we've talked about the Wendigo before. We've talked about the Kerr Wendigo as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just picture Kerwin walking around the woods going, ha! he's got this really funny laugh. Um, so while eating human flesh, of course. Yeah, of course he, he does. Now, as I said before, Victor Pascal's character shows up in a dream and leads Dr. Lewis Creed to the pet cemetery and says, don't you go beyond that wall. Don't even think about it. The, the dead, the dead guy that shows up in your dream says, don't go beyond that wall. Would you? Uh, no, I think I'm good. No, right. He does anyway. So what happens? The family cat is hit by a car and Judd, the wise old neighbor goes with Lewis to bury Judd and he goes, Nay, come on, follow me. And they go beyond the wall. So they bury the cat. The cat comes back. He's not the same. Cat's evil, super mean, right? 
super sweet before, but it's like all messed up and gnarly and smelly and stuff now. So as if that wasn't indication enough that you don't need to bury things beyond the border of the, the worlds or whatever, um, the creeds. All right. Spoiler alert. Here's your, your first big one. The creeds daughter is struck by a truck and killed. Now this is, this is different than the original. It is double now. Spoiler. Yeah. Definitely double spoiler in the 1989 film, the family's son gauge was hit and killed by a truck. So they switched it up. Um, and I think it was for the better. Um, the little girl who played Ellie was fantastic in this movie. And I think she was, <laughs> she's old enough to have had some acting classes. This is no offense to the kid at the time in the 1989 film. Cause they got this little, like this kid was like not even three years old. Mm-hmm. He played gauge Creed and there's just, Man, and watching it today, there's a real painful scene where, um, needless to say, it doesn't hold up that well. But the, the little kid can't – the kid who played Gage in the 1989 film was like two and a half or three. Didn't have the same level of understanding as like a seven or eight-year-old, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a scene where they look up and the kid's standing there with the scalpel in the attic and it's very clearly a doll. And then it does this like – head first dive and it's very very clearly a doll that somebody pushed out of an attic oh, and the main character's wrestling with this what is very clearly a doll and i was just like oh ouch when did we get to child's play what's happening here yeah it was it was bad it was hard to watch it was like that hand is not the same color as the kid's hand like uh uh, now, little known fact, uh, Miko Hughes, the actor that played Gage, uh, was in both a Marvel movie and in Game of Thrones. That's not at all true. Uh, but he was, was, in, say, he was in, uh, Baywatch and Surf School. So far out, man. Yeah. And Wes Craven's new nightmare, oddly enough. But anyway, Miko Hughes has a pretty substantial, he's still going. Okay, cool. Anyway. Continue. Oh, oh actually, uh, I, I did, when you told me not to see the movie, I looked up why I shouldn't see the movie and. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when I did hear the thing about they, them switching it up. And yeah. that was the big thing that had very reason. Like, why oh my they, God. The reason why they did that was the, the people that were producing the new movie, they talked to Stephen King about it and they said, and they were, and he was okay with the switch because they thought that a three-year-old as the ter- evil turn villain undead critter was significantly less scary than a girl that was about what, 10 or so. Yeah. She was good, man. So they said that like, she couldn't – they couldn't do the things they wanted to do if it was a, a little person. No, because it's very clearly somebody, a grown man fighting a doll. Yeah. So that's why they did it, and then apparently it worked. Yeah. she For me, it did. Um, she was super creepy. Man, when she came back, they did either some makeup effects to her, but they like – all right, it it looked like she had a stroke after she came back. Her eye, kind of one side of her face was was kind of dragging a little bit, and it was it was like oh oh god, it was very unsettling. So after Lewis Creed buries his daughter, because as he states, uh, he wasn't ready to let her go, ready to let her go yet. Excuse me. Um, she comes back, and there's a scene where she's put on the uh, her dancing gown that she was buried in, and she's dancing around the living room. 
but as she like turns, she'll knock over a picture on purpose or she'll knock something else off the shelf. And it's that kind of first, you see that aggression in, um, and it was just very well done. It, it was, uh, she was just great. You know, I, I couldn't see the little kid that they had playing gauge doing that, that stuff. Um, there's much more of a focus on Rachel's story here in that her sister growing up, her sister Zelda, um, had a spinal condition that caused her to be bedridden and she died. Uh, there's much more of a focus on that. Uh, so how it's affected Rachel and her approach to speaking with their daughter before she's brought back, of course, uh, speaking and trying to explain death. Lewis and Rachel differ on how they should explain death to their kid. They try and just tell them that the cat ran away, but hey, guess what? The cat shows back up and it smells like ass and it's all bloody. <laughs> so, you know, um, it, uh, she's, she's pretty pissed when she gets brought back to say the least. So now in a huge twist, a huge diversion from the, uh, the original little gauge lives, right? So that's the biggest thing. So there are a couple of, of what I thought were really cool throwbacks in here. As I, I mentioned before, there's a sign for Deary, her Deary, Maine, which is where a lot of Stephen King's stories take place when the veil between worlds is the thinnest and people just go missing or appear for no reason. Uh, Judd describes his dog that he buried in the pet cemetery many years ago in a very just trailing conversation. You just kind of hear it fade out. He describes a St. Bernard, and I think that's a uh, direct link to Cujo. Very cool, I thought. There is a there are a couple of recycled quotes. You know, nothing big. You know, sometimes dead is better. But there's one that I thought was really great, where in the 1989 film, Ellie is talking to her dad, asking the theoretical question: What if church dies? What's going to happen? And they have a little conversation and Ellie, Ellie goes, well, let God take one of his own cats and not mine. You know, church is mine. Now, there's a quote in this film, the 2019 release, where Lewis Creed says, let God kill his own kid. So it's a twist there, but it's a, you know, it's, it's very, I, I, I thought it was a, a really faithful recreation. Um, there's of course the star, star crawler version of Pet Cemetery as the credits play. There was some very cool left-right audio stuff that was happening. So you might miss that if you stream it, unless you have headphones or a good sound system. There's like whispering happening to the left and right. And I thought it was people sitting next to me that weren't there. So that was the <laughs> creepiest part about the film. It was very haunted house fog. You can almost smell the fog machines. Um, you know, it was just a, it was just a good, like I said, a, a really nice reimagining. And it was a, a really kind of fun experience to see in the theater. Thank you for your time. Awesome. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about a new television show. And the reason I want to talk about this is because of Lauren Cohan, who left Walking Dead to be on this TV show. And that is Whiskey Cavalier. Mm -hmm. So Lauren Cohan, of course, known as being Maggie. She's been in other things. She was in a, a movie with a killer doll. The boy. The boy. There you go. And she was also in a very hard to watch episode of SVU. Someone called me, my wife called me to watch the episode. She's like, oh, they said this person's in Walking Dead. And the show was so horrific. She was such a good actress at this particular show about some sort of rape kind of thing. Mm -hmm. 
way harder to watch than any of the episodes of Walking wow. Dead because of how horrific it was. But um, starring Scott Foley, who I believe became fairly famous due to Felicity and Lauren Cohan. And basically one of them is an FBI agent and one of them is a CIA agent or a, I forget the, the two branches. Yes. Uh, I think she's CIA and he FBI. Yeah. And they are at odds because he is kind of the more romantic type. He is the, the uh, friendly kind of, I don't know. He's, he's a spy, but he's not, he's a little more of a, of the emotional type because he's, that's one of his, the benefits of him. He can, he knows what people are feeling and she is cold, calculated, kind of a badass. doesn't want a partner. doesn't want a friend after their first, uh, meet up together after the first little kind of job together where they run into each other. Basically they end up getting teamed up with a bunch of other people. And well, after, uh, they, so, after they spend the, the whole pilot episode trying to screw each other over basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. They're screwing, screwing each other over to the point of where it was like, well, some of the things they did could have actually killed the other person, mm-hmm. despite the fact that they knew they were both working for the same government basically. Uh, so what do you think of the, the show? We, we, ha- the show has not been out for too long. I think they're up to episode five or so. I think, it's uh, but safe. we wanted to talk about it just because it's you know it's a new show it's something something different and um there I think there's some enjoyable things to pull out of it so mm-hmm. yeah I go ahead I I really like the story that you know two twenty somethings are kind of kind of lovable lo- losers they're hosting a TV show from their basement and that uh, is not the same show at all. oh my bad that's Wayne's World it is, it is. sorry anyway uh, Rob so uh, what, what do you what do you think <laughs> you're not wrong. You can't say that. You have to say he's very retarded. I think. I think Jimmy special. No, sexy, mentally deficient, <laughs> or something. I, anyway, Slow. the the pilot was actually really entertaining. It, it held my interest for the entire pilot, and I was curious to see where it was going to go. But you said something uh, that I that I thought about, and I kind of agree with. After watching the pilot episode, Greg, you were talking mm-hmm. about how. This was going to be one of those shows where the two main characters is, are going to have one of those will they, won't they things going on. Yeah, like an X-Files or... Right. Friends right. did it with a bunch but, of shows. But you also made a good point and said that you were concerned because they kind of put them on that path by the end of the pilot episode. So it was kind of like it. it it's not like a, something that's going to build over time. It's something that they're going to have to address in like the first season. And... If they address it in the first season, that's really going to take a lot of the mystique out of it and might end up hurting the show. I mean, wouldn't you say? Uh, you said, you know, you have not seen all the episodes. There was a very recent episode, I think the most recent one that aired, mm-hmm. where they're, of course, they're trying to break into something and they end up hiding in a closet together. Mm-hmm. Was that in the episode you watched? No. And so they're hiding in a small closet together. And of course, they're like face to face, you know, like would be kissing if it was another show or whatever. And like they did that. I'm like, wow, it's only episode five. Like they went from hating each other very quickly to like licking each other's in, faces in a closet pretty much but they didn't actually kiss but like it was just a little too fast on that kind of thing and I'm, it's not like i'm a prude but it's like as soon as the the people end up getting together ratings fall hmm. you know as, as soon as that happens because that's like this this sexual uh the word i'm looking for tension uh, yeah there we go sexual tension thank you like it's kind yeah. of like uh yeah. you and jimmy yeah. have yeah. had this evening yes yeah um and every evening yeah pretty much uh, the tone of this show was very interesting. I thought it was going to be more straightforward, but it is definitely more of like a psych or a chuck, uh, something like that, where it's funny. It's not quite a parody, and there's the occasional real world kind of fear of death, but not entirely. 
Right. You know, very rarely worry for the characters. And I was I was talking about this earlier that I, I watched one of the episodes. What was it? Episode four, I think, where they did this really hokey laser light dance routine kind of thing. Like security lasers trying to right. like. Like, kind of like Entrapment with uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones, where she was slithering underneath all of the uh, laser mm-hmm. laser lines and stuff, mm-hmm. and it, and and it had that feel to me. But they were doing all kinds of weird, completely unnecessary, stupid crap. And I'm like, like what? At one point, the I think it's the guy. He literally does a cartwheel and flings his his feet up over his head with moving laser lights, mind you. Flings his feet up over his head, does a cartwheel. And the laser is literally on the ground between his hands. And I'm like, bro, you could have just stepped over that. What the uh, hell are you doing? I was hoping that you were going to say he was flinging his poo. No, there, there was no poo flinging. That is the then first, I'm not watching it. That is the first rule of being a spy. You never fling your poo because it can be traced back to you. That's right. Yeah. That'd be like, oh. You yeah. would make a terrible spy, Jimmy. It's true. <laughs> But like that whole laser light scene, it was it was completely hokey and totally unnecessary. And I'm watching that whole scene. I, I mean, I am by no means a spy or anything, but I'm watching that whole scene going. That's exactly what a spy would say. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, this is bull crap. What is this? What? What is? I don't. The, all of this stuff they're doing is completely unnecessary. Why are they doing this? <laughs> I just to kind of close out here. Uh, it's a fun little show. It's one of those shows that you don't have to pay 100% attention to because it's not like you're going to miss some crazy long storyline like a, a Game of Thrones. We'll just go back to that. You know, it's I'm wondering how I don't know what the ratings are. I saw a little bit. They had a pretty big rating on the first week. Uh, it fell about 30%, but that's about average after the first week. And it grew uh, about 133% ratings the most recent episode hmm. when they brought when they took into account uh, these the two day watching thing we talked about last week so did uh, watching time yeah or whatever. i think it yeah the the day shifted three day shift or something the creative group actually just real quick is uh, david hemmingson from just shoot me bill lawrence who did scrubs which kind of is where the tone comes from i think mm-hmm. yeah and the director is uh, peter atencio who actually directed for uh, key and peel mm. so there's actually more comedy based stuff for a pretty intensive action show so yeah i am kind of intrigued as to where it goes and it's something I can put on in the background when I'm doing other things. Not that it's a, a rave review there, but, you know, it's a, it's a fun show. So far, it's entertaining. We'll see where it goes. All right. So I, I think at least two of us have seen it. Um, I think we're going to talk about Shazam. And this is a weird one for me because, like, I just saw Shazam right before we started recording this whole thing. That's the one with Shaquille O'Neal, right? Yes. yes. Yeah, right, exactly. Cool. It's been a yeah, long time. It has. So and, being that you just saw it, Greg, what are your immediate thoughts? Uh, I thought that movie had a lot of heart and it was funny, like legit funny. And uh, there's a lot going on right now. So I thought it did depend a little bit too much on coincidence, but I enjoyed the action. I enjoyed the interplay. I thought all of the characters were great. And I think one of the things I liked the best is that I didn't recognize a lot of the people playing the characters other than really the lead and the guy that's from Walking Dead and uh, the, the the foster father. Who's oh, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. The battle um, axe guy from the kingdom. Yeah, the, the the guy that's got the big beard on Walking Dead. He's from the kingdom. He's like the, the guard or like He, the he right carries the battle axe around. Okay. Yeah. So are we going to get any specifics, any uh, any of the stats on this? Who's in it? Who directed it? Uh, we don't have that because I just got done seeing it, but um, 
Uh, oh, I, the other guy I remember is uh, Mark. Mark Strong. Wahlberg. Yeah, Mark Strong from was, Kick-Ass. Yeah, well, not just from Kick-Ass, also from uh, The Kingsman. Yeah, yeah. He was he was Merlin, and I have I have to say he is an absolutely phenomenal villain. Mm-hmm. He is so good. He was so good as a villain in Kick-Ass that I actually yeah. thought he was going to turn in Kingsman, but he's because he's also pretty good in that role as well. He's he's great as a hero. He's great as a as a villain. He's like, oh man, how can we beat this guy? And as a hero, it's like, oh man, everything's all right. We've got him on our side. You know, it's <laughs> he's just so good. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what did you think of the movie? I uh, I, I see you. He did the sigh. I no 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 no. I see you, DC. That's no. that's two quality movies in a row. I'm I'm all right. I think they might. Maybe they figured something out. We'll see when Justice League comes out. Whether maybe they watched a Marvel movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or but two. I enjoyed Aquaman, and mm-hmm. I enjoyed this movie very much. It yeah. was very entertaining. You were right; it had a lot of heart. There were a, and you asked me if it was okay to take Ethan to see, and I was like, "Well, for the most part." Probably uh, there. There's three swear words. There's definitely three three shits. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Which and, I don't know if he would have caught that. Per but se. I I was more concerned about the scary monster and then the boardroom full of people that they just murder. I think that was kind of done through the the glass, other than the dude that got his head bit off. I think the part that would have got him was the the woman working at the psychology institute that touches the door and vaporizes. Oh, because, okay. Like she kind of gets that like red like glow like the the burning from the inside out kind of look yeah yeah i think that would have been a bit of a problem what what about the guy that got <laughs> thrown out of the boardroom through the window yeah that would have probably been bad yeah so so for the most part it would be okay for kids but there are definitely a couple of scenes that might give them pause so and uh, it's it's also and this is a dad speaking and knowing stories of the past of like kids that think they can fly and all that stuff there are some things where like you know, before he realizes he can stop bullets, or as soon as he realizes he can stop bullets, they're like, yeah, shoot him. Now shoot him in the face. See what happens. <laughs> yeah. Which is funny. And, like, and the acting is great, and the reaction is great. But at the same time, I don't necessarily know if I want, like, to have to explain that to a kid at a very young age. Yeah. Um, no, you can't do that. That won't work. <laughs> yeah. So the, uh, I guess real quick for those that you haven't seen the trailer four billion times, uh, the trailer really only shows the... F- somewhere in the first quarter of the movie it shows basically the the origin which is fine and uh so for you of those of you out there that haven't seen it it's uh a kid he's a foster kid uh constantly running away looking for his mom and he gets picked by a nice family uh he defends the family's kid and there's kind of like a little fight scene uh meanwhile kind of behind the scenes there's a the last wizard of a group of wizards that have been keeping the seven deadly sins from escaping. Right. And he's weakened after all this time. Uh, he needs to pass on his power. Yeah. And he's been trying to pass on his power for years since at least the seventies. Yeah. So why does he pick uh, the, the character that he picks? Do they, go it, into that? It, to me, it almost, it, well, they don't say it explicitly, but to me, it seems more like a, you're my last hope kind of thing. I am, I am done. I have to give it to somebody and it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah, It's the, he's about to go like the villain finds him first. So he passes it on and it turns out at the end of the movie that 
it was the right salute was the right option. And there's a f- couple comments about like, there's no perfect person for this. You have to let people become who they're going to become because the wizard is kind of picky. Uh, speaking of the wizard, uh, the wonderful uh, wizard of never mind. He looked a little bit like Vitruvius from the <laughs> he Lego movie. Did <laughs> I didn't even pick that up? But that's hilarious. Think you are absolutely like, right. Especially the staff that looks like the half-eaten lollipop. Um, yes. When I, when they first entered the room, I was like, uh, maybe that wasn't the best idea. <laughs> that's hilarious. I didn't even pick that up. But now I won't be able to see anything except Vitruvius. Yeah, because as like they went in, I was like, okay, this looks. And that was very early in the movie, so I was like, eh, a little concerned. Um, it did some, some surprising things too. Like I thought the end was very surprising, you know, as we have always spoiler warning all of our shows, but I thought the end was was pretty surprising. I figured they would do that eventually. Like now is, is that a thing? Does, does the Shazam core really exist? Uh, well, I didn't get a chance to do like the, our regular research on this, but Shazam was actually the word that he said, but his name was actually Captain Marvel. Right. And then they lost like a legal battle or something and had to change Yeah, it. because of Marvel Comics, but Captain Marvel technically existed before the um before Marvel Comics did because Marvel Comics was timely comics, but like the company that owned Captain Marvel went out of business. It was it's a big, crazy legal thing that actually only got solved in the past like decade, maybe. Um so yes, they're that, but they're they're called the Marvel family. Um and uh the girl, the the college age girl, the one the senior in high school that's looking to go to college uh like her name is mary marvel um and all the other characters now most of these characters showed up i think in 2011 as um uh during the new 52 era of stuff okay little side question is is when the lawsuit settled is that when miss marvel became captain marvel and she was able to Uh, take that moniker did she have to wait till the lawsuit was settled to become captain marvel no they just both kind of did it but it wasn't until like both of the companies just kind of were hands off until the huge money of movies started getting involved, ah. and then the lawsuits started flying. Gotcha. Uh, in the comics, you did hear quite a bit of um, Carol Danvers being like name being used instead of like Captain Marvel, Ms. Marvel, because I think she was Ms. Marvel and then Marvel. And I don't know. Right. So in the movie Shazam, where do the so the monsters? They're the part of the seven deadly sins is that they, is they that are the seven deadly sins they're the embodiment uh, okay. embodiment of the seven deadly sins and the wizard has them trapped with his as like gargoyles or right. statues basically with with his power boosting crystal thing or whatever they get stolen by the bad guy and then yeah, it's, it's a lollipop stick yes and then they get released okay. and it buries itself in the dude's eye oh that sounds uncomfortable how, how long did they spend on shazam's origin story before they got like really into action, maybe thirty minutes, forty-five minutes, maybe. No, it's even, about thirty minutes. No, no, because Shazam showed up. Shazam showed up uh, fairly early. I don't, I don't want to say it was any longer than like twenty. I mean, they didn't spend a ton of time before he, before he actually mm-hmm. discovered Shazam. Yeah, I mean, you got there was okay. the the opening set piece with the uh-huh. the villain's origin story, basically, and then the kid doing the the police thing, getting adopted, escaping. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay, so so they it was, it was about thirty minutes. It, it was probably about thirty minutes, but not all of that thirty minutes was Shazam's origin story. They probably yeah, only yeah. spent about half of that on Shazam's origin story, and then they spent half of it on the villains. But I actually really liked the way the the family interplayed. Oh, absolutely. Where 
it was it was it wasn't forced. It was as awkward as you would expect it to be. Like, oh, welcome to our family. Uh, a, a here's all these family people of like like six kids. Yeah, and how like, cute was that little girl? Oh, she was awesome. Uh, she had the line of the movie. I kept a secret. I didn't tell it. You figured no, not it out. That. On your the, own. The, the the I want glitter. Oh. I have glitter. <laughs> you do not want that glitter. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that was. Yeah, so that was actually my that that part was funny, and there was another part that made me laugh. Like right after that, well, a lot of them, a lot of parts did. No, uh, did you was... catch? Did you Go catch ahead. the uh, Stephen King reference in the movie? Speaking of Stephen King, which we have also talked about, you yeah. might have to refresh me. Uh, so they're opening up doors, mm-hmm. right? And there is the crocodiles, right? Um, playing poker, which was from an right. old Shazam comic. Uh, okay. The next one was that tentacle, yeah, coming coming out of the mist. And that was the exact same tentacle from the mist that uh, killed the the like someone at the grocery store or something. Oh, really? Okay. Ooh. I did not get that. No. There's quite a few little like hidden things. Annabelle was there, was hanging out in the pawn shop at the beginning. I read that. Which nice. I thought was kind of neat. Same director, so that makes sense. The, the thing that's interesting about this movie, I think, hmm. is it's coming from source material that was a long time ago. So it's stuff that would seem kind of hokey. Right, and they are still able to make it to pull it off because anytime something happens, they immediately kind of get called on it. Like where the guys like touch my staff, ew, gross. Yeah, <laughs> like little yeah. things like that, or say, say the magic word. What is it? Shazam. It's like really, <laughs> really. Say my name. What's your name? Yeah, and, and then it's... and then of course at the end, say my name, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was fu- that was awesome. That that was the other part that made me like crack up. Yeah. <laughs> so to me, this movie was kind of like um, big meets superheroes. Yes. I can see and, that. And there was a big reference. Really? A big reference to what? There, there was a reference to big oh. in the movie. Where the was piano. it? They ran across a piano. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. He's running away from the bad guy the first time and, and he runs across a piano. And he, got, he, got dist- back. he got distracted by the piano, looked down, and then heard, ding, ding. As he was running down the piano at him. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I I want to address the end credit scenes because I didn't I didn't know who the first guy was. So there's two end credit scenes. Mm -hmm. There's one right as the movie as the movie ends, and that's the the villain uh, Mark Strong. Absolutely is has gone like super crazy and he's drawing all the symbols and stuff in his cell and he hears somebody start laughing and then they're talking to him and it's a caterpillar with a speaker box on its chest and a helmet and it's yep. talking to him and I'm like what the hell is that <laughs> I had to look it up so do you want to explain that to us Greg well you know oddly enough I actually was not I don't know too much about Shazam but I know that is Mr. Mind he's from a uh he's like from an earlier Shazam comic, obviously. Uh-huh. And I think he obviously has mind powers, right? Like mind control. Yeah. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. And he is a, in fact, a caterpillar. He is in fact, a caterpillar. And I believe, I believe there was some foreshadowing because we saw him the first time that we went to the wizard's lair. Mm-hmm. And, and that's another thing. I'm like, why would you set up a lair in an area where the villain knows exactly how to get to it? that to me just seemed like a faulty, but well, they're uh, also like kids. Yeah, yeah. So and they can't exactly buy real estate. So it when when he when the villain first makes his appearance in the in the wizard's lair, there's a close up of a caterpillar in a jar, and then later yeah. on, when I believe it's when Billy 
makes the appearance at the wizard's lair, they have a close-up of the same jar, and it's shattered, and it's open. Uh, I don't know if you noticed that. I didn't catch the second part. Okay. But that is makes sense. So the caterpillar in the wizard's lair got out and got some powers and somehow stopped off at a radio shack and picked up little micro components for a tiny little speed. Which is adorable. It is. But then there's one more at the very end of the credits. So you got to stay all the way to the end of the credits. And I found this to be very amusing. At, at one point, so one of the things, one of the things throughout the movie is they're trying to figure out exactly what Billy's powers are. When, so they're doing all these different kind of tests, just trying to figure out what kind of powers he has. Cause his, his, uh, foster brother is obsessed with superpowers cause he's, he's handicapped and he walks around with crutches and, you know, this is, this is his deal. He's really big into, into superheroes and having superpowers and stuff like that. And so he's testing him out to uh to find out you know what his superpowers are and so at the end of the movie shazam is talking to a goldfish in a bowl (laughs) and having a conversation with a goldfish in a bowl and the kid the his brother freaks out is like oh my god you could talk to fish you could talk to fish and he looks at him and goes no that would be a stupid power (laughs) and then the kid looks down and he's actually wearing an aquaman shirt and then they flash back to Shazam, and he's like, "Oh, I mean, uh." <laughs> yep. So I think just to cl- that actually leads me to the very last thing I do want to say. Uh, this movie does take place in the the DC cinematic universe, depending on what changes are going to happen in that universe. But there is an awareness of Batman with the Batarang. There is an awareness of Superman and references to. There's a even lot a cameo. Yeah, and then yeah, that was what I was getting at, and there is a Superman cameo, sort of. Kind of. I guess they couldn't get James Caviezel. No. Yeah. Is that wrong person? Yeah, I know. That's James Caviezel is Jesus. (laughs) They couldn't get Jesus to play Superman, so they just went with a body double. Yeah. But it was actually a cool, a cool little stinger at the end of the movie, which I thought was kind of neat. Yeah. Uh, So the movie had heart. It was fun. I didn't have any real complaints other than a lot of coincidence, but you know, I would see it in the theater again. So my my. I would as well. It was very, very entertaining. It was what two hours, two and a half hours, well spent. Two, two hours, ten minutes. Yeah, yeah it was. It was two hours, well spent. Not bad. I I enjoyed it a lot. It made me laugh. It kept me entertained. I would say. I would say it's a full price movie. Go see it full price. So tying on to the new TV show that was just released, Whiskey Cavalier. Greg and I both enjoyed the pilot episode. So that got us thinking. What are some of the best pilot episodes of TV shows that we've seen? Now, that will that will exclude shows that are released in their entirety through like streaming services like Netflix. We won't be counting shows like that. So things like Stranger Things, uh, Haunting of Hill House, and uh, Punisher, any of those shows like that that are all released in one giant block. We're- mm-hmm. And the reason, one of the reasons I wanted to ask this question in general is because there's so many pilot shows for shows that ended up getting picked up and become complete classics where the pilot is not good at all. And the one that immediately comes to mind is Seinfeld, where like Jerry was mean. Basically. I want to say Frasier was like that too. Yeah, like the first, if you go back and get the DVD box sets or watch it on streaming or something, you find out you watch this, the pilot and you're like, wow, I'm really surprised the show survived because people were different. Oh, okay. I just started rewatching Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yep, uh-huh. and the character Rosa doesn't have her the the stern voice yet early on hmm. until about episode six or seven, and it's it's like weird to see it. 
we might have to do that question at some point too. The worst pilot shows, but uh, uh, Jimmy, are, are you taking the mantle as going first again? Yeah, we'll get back to like normal things here. You guys kind of threw a, a curveball at me last time, so I'm going to go ahead and go with my number five. Number five is going to be Arrested Development. Hasn't done so well in its past couple of seasons, but the pilot was hilarious and it really set the tone for it. Number four is the first TV show that I ever saw that I was like, oh, this looks like a movie. This doesn't look like a TV show. And that was Six Feet Under on HBO. Number three was The Walking Dead. And I wrote such hope, such hope. (laughs) Because I I know, Greg, you're still enjoying it, but I just, it's gone just completely off the road. I have no interest in picking it. But the pilot, oh man, this is, yes, it's here. And then... My number two is Breaking Bad, unlike anything I've ever seen before. If you would have told me the plot, it's a science teacher. He goes on to sell meth because he thinks he has a terminal illness. I would have been like, and I was. I was like, I don't care. Like, that doesn't interest me. But it turned out to be one of the most amazing series of TV history. And it didn't overstay its walking, <laughs> walking Dead. And number one, Game of Thrones. It re-redefined television for me. Like I said, Six Feet Under. I, I don't. I haven't seen a show this big with that big of a budget, and that looks that good since. So that number one, Game of Thrones. Fair enough. Our list looks a lot alike, but I will go next. I think my number five is a little bit different, and that is well, it's a lot different from yours. Uh, that is Alias, and I actually watched Alias long after it had left television. Hmm. Someone told me to watch it, and I was like, okay, I'm enjoying this Lost TV show, which. We'll talk about that in a second. And the opening episode, this is a little bit of a spoiler. It goes through. You're following uh, Sydney, or I uh, won't remember her name right now, but uh, as she's doing Jennifer spy Garner. stuff. Jennifer Garner, there we go, wearing her like red wig, and she's doing all sorts of spy stuff. And at the and you think that she's a good guy spy, and she thinks she's a good guy spy. And at the very end of the episode, you find out that not only has she been working for a terrorist organization, but her father has been working for the terrorist organization as well. And that's where they leave you at the end of the episode. And you're like, oh, crap. And, you know, it also introduces Bradley Cooper in the, in a role of like a reporter that's kind of trying to figure this stuff out. So good episode. Uh, Walking Dead is my number four. Uh, zombie stuff on television and high hopes. Again, some good seasons, some bad. That's where I'll leave it. Breaking Bad, it shows up with just this absurd visual of a guy in his underpants running away, right, chasing a freaking RV down the road, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, again, I watched this about season three is when I first started watching season one. And it was because they gave it away for free on iTunes. And I had just moved into my house and I was, I had my computer set up, but we didn't have cable yet. And I'm like, well, I guess I'll watch this free thing I got. And I started watching it and that was it. I had to, as soon as I got cable, I put it up there and made sure I downloaded all the episodes and there was a marathon and Breaking Bad was awesome. Uh, number two, I'm going to go with the with another J.J. Abrams show and that is Lost. And it, this is a weird one in the pilot. The part, the end of the pilot isn't like a cliffhanger or anything, but it's the beginning where, you know, you see Jack's eyes open and you see this complete chaos scene on the beach and there's people everywhere and screaming and crying and you see a dude get sucked into an airplane engine and there's like a dog and I think like, I don't know, there's like a polar bear and a smoke monster and a, a drug addicted British guy. Leprechaun. And, yeah, oh. there's definitely Leprechaun. Uh, two dudes I'm trying the to... Leprechaun! Yeah, two dudes trying to like do a show in their basement. It's It was a good 
good opening episode. It had just about everything. I love you guys so much. <laughs> and then, uh, my number one, uh, Game of Thrones. That's not just because of what's coming this weekend, but uh, it was a great, uh, great pilot show. And the thing it did really well is it introduced you to the characters in a in a relatively memorable way. You knew about those characters based on their actions on the screen. They didn't have to say anything about them. Yeah, dude threw a kid out the window when he was about to have sex with his sister. Yep, so you knew that. You knew that uh, uh, Stark was going to, like, follow the rules. So, mm-hmm. because he, you know, he, you didn't necessarily like the fact that he beheaded somebody or killed somebody, but you knew that he was he was honorable and followed, followed the rules, and he was going to continue doing so despite what was going to happen to him. So, it was just a great opening episode. Nice. I'll go ahead and go with my five, then. At at number five, and there's one I wanted to put in here. I just I just couldn't work it in, and it had been so long since I seen it that honorable mention. Yeah, it it it'd been so long since I seen it that I couldn't that I couldn't uh, faithfully include. But that would be uh, Buffy, the the pilot episode for Buffy. Okay, really kind of pulls you in and gets you started on the whole. And that's it's a great. And if you haven't seen it, I definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I just couldn't work it into. But at number five, I'm going to use. Pushing Daisies, which is a an odd show. It's it's aesthetically and eh, I don't know about tonally, but it's aesthetically different than a lot of shows. Just about mo- just about any show, really. I mean, most shows that I've seen that I've seen on TV just don't have the same aesthetic look and feel as this show does. This show, yeah, you know I saw a couple. Epi- yeah, I do. I saw a couple episodes of that. And it was it was weird. Yeah, it was but, good, but it was good. So, and it got canceled too soon. So that may be one of the reasons why a lot of people haven't found it, but the pilot episode really kind of sucks you in and kind of explains what's going on. So I'm going to put Pushing Daisies at number five. At number four, I'm going to put the, I'm going to put Walking Dead. Again, great show, set you up right where you needed to be. And from there, uh, I won't go into too much because we've talked a lot about Walking Dead. At number three, maybe a little controversial. But I'm going to put Game of Thrones at number three. <gasps> I know. Uh, again, great, great show. And probably part of the reason why I'm putting it at three instead of a little bit higher is that it is a um, it is an HBO show. And it's very close to it's for me, it's or at least I consider it to be very close to the whole Netflix streaming thing where everything is done in block. Um, but it, it, I don't know that it falls into the whole. Let's put out a pilot, see how it does, and go from there, kind of thing. So, but I guess most of the shows on this list aren't. It's not really that controversial because there's been how many thousands of shows and it still made it into your top five? Well, it's not like you threw like Cop Rock in there. Oh, shit. um, Cop Rock is my new number one. I meant that I put it it lower on the list because you guys both had it in. At number two, I'm going to put. I'm going to put one of my favorites, maybe not my absolute favorite. At number two, I'm going to put fire. I, I'm still very bitter that it got canceled after it was very, very poorly mishandled, but it drew you in. It made you care about the characters from, it was, it was a very entertaining show and it really got me into the rest of the season and then it disappeared. It was very sad. Alas. But for my number one, any guesses? Brady Bunch. The Office. No. And... Hold on. Let's see. Hold on. Let's, I'm, I'm going to think here. Uh, I'm leaning supernatural. Jimmy? Um, I'm going to go with, um, I Dream of Genie. South Park. It is not I Dream of Genie. Damn. South it, Park? It, it is, however, 
Greg, you know me very well because you got it on your first. Ah, uh, Supernatural. Supernatural. The the pilot episode for Supernatural, I thoroughly enjoyed, and I watched that episode, and I was like, "Damn, this is going to be a good show." And when the pilot episode ended, I wanted the next episode, and I I think that's what you need from a pilot. And I was ready to go. It set you up. You were going to have the the Winchester brothers, and we were going to go on some monster hunts, and that's what I want. So. I, I highly recommend checking out Supernatural. I will say, though, that if you can find Super... I just found this out, and I had no idea this was the case. But if you find Supernatural on DVD, watch it on DVD. Because if you watch it on Netflix, Netflix has actually changed the soundtrack due to licensing issues. So ah. the the original like rock soundtrack that was with the pilot episode is no longer there on the Netflix version. So if you can... Get it with the actual soundtrack that it was that it was that was meant to be played with. But Supernatural is my number one. Uh, Rob, are you angry about anything this week? Uh oh. Well, I do have something that that I would I would like to talk about. Let's do it. Well, as you know, we live in Orlando, which is a big tourist area, and we get tourists from all over the world, and a lot of them are not familiar with our culture here or the way things work. And being that we are a large tourist area, we have a lot of service jobs, correct? Uh, yeah. There, there I, thought are, I thought you were going to go with lines. I thought with you were going to go with lines, like people that don't understand that. But go Line, on. Yes. Lines? Lines, yeah. There are certain cultures that don't understand, like queuing up, oh, oh, lining oh, oh. up for rides. But, no, no, no. Sorry. We, I don't want to get in your way here. We have a very large service industry here in Orlando. And I would I would like to address this. This might be a two-part rant now. Because I would like to address the whole tipping. Ah. Now, being that that my significant other is in a service industry job and does rely on tips, I, of course, advocate tipping. So do I. And there are a lot of people who come from, like, other countries and stuff that don't mm. understand... Oh, man. That, ...that tipping is kind of the way that these people live because they don't make minimum wage. They make if, an obscene hourly amount. And if you come out and eat dinner and don't tip, do you understand how that works? Because if you don't tip, what happens is, is that waitress just paid to serve you your meal. Because the way it works is, at the end of the night, that waitress or bartender or whatever has to tip out a certain percentage of their overall sales. It's not what they it's not the tips that they receive that they that they share. It's their it's a percentage of their overall sales. So if you don't tip them, they still have to give money away based on what they sold you. So you're taking money out of their pocket to go eat because you're too cheap to tip. Yeah, man, that's that's I'm, rough. I'm actually so angry right now that I got that chill. Uh, yeah, that chill that you some, like that chill you sometimes get if you like do something embarrassing. Like I just got so angry at like thinking of that. It's like, and, it is, man. And it's, it's and it's go ahead. it's it's wrong if you can't afford to tip because I'm not just talking about the people who don't know. Because if you don't know when you granted ignorance isn't really an excuse, but if you come from another country where you don't tip, it sucks. But I can't really hold it against you. I'm talking about the people that live here that know how it works, that don't tip. And if you can't afford to tip, 
you shouldn't be going out to eat. I'm just going to say that, right? You should take care of your servers and your bartenders and whatever. If you can't afford to tip, you know what? Don't go out and eat. Go pick something up and take it home, okay? Now, that being said, there are also certain situations where I don't think you should tip. I, like, I don't tip on, (laughs) on, I don't tip on takeout. I think that's ridiculous. No, it's always that really uncomfortable. Like you go to, you go pick up your takeout and they print out the receipt and it heads the bar for a tip on it. And you're like, I I don't, I don't, I don't tip a takeout. But if I'm going and sitting down, I I will tip somebody who brings me my food or I will, I will tip my waitress who brings me. Now, my girlfriend and I have gotten in, in, in some discussions about this because this is the second half of my rant. People in the service industry. The fact that I am advocating for you to be tipped does not relieve you of the responsibility of doing your job. Because if you don't do your job, I think it's perfectly okay for me to leave you jack shit. I will yeah. tip, I will tip very well for excellent service. If mm-hmm. you if you just do your job, I will tip you the average amount. If you can't even be bothered to do your job, I have no problem leaving you nothing. When you when you treat your when you treat your customers like shit, you're going to get shit. So it doesn't the fact that you should get tipped doesn't relieve you of the responsibility of doing your job. So you need to do your job. But if you're doing your job, you absolutely should get. Tipped. Okay, guys. So, if there was anything said there, first of all, I would like to to know what you guys think out there about tipping and about what percentage use you go by and what rules and all that fun stuff. But a couple little things to close out the show. First of all, we are going to be starting our Game of Thrones episodes as well as our regular episodes in the next few weeks. So our timing might be a little bit weird. Uh, There's going to be six of those to close out the show and to close out the uh, the season. Well, that's not really the season, the entire show. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do some of that stuff. Uh, So things might get a little bit weird. We might be not doing certain things, have some shorter episodes and longer episodes. We'll have to see what happens. Uh, if you guys have anything to say to us, you can check us out on Facebook by searching Give Me Five Podcast. You can contact us on Twitter or Instagram, Give Me Five Pod. You can email us, Give Me Five Podcast at gmail.com. And if you want cool and awesome swag, we do have a store, Give Me Five Podcast.threadless.com. And also, if you go to our Libsyn page, which is, uh, I believe, Libsyn. Give me five podcast.com. Or yeah, give me like five dot libsyn.com. Yeah, give me five dot libsyn.com. You can check out our Amazon link. Anything you buy on Amazon using that link will give us a little bit of money. Take it away from them and it'll keep the servers running. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and science, bitch. I have tipped as much as 50% of the bill, and that was not a cheap meal, by the way. Uh, that was at one of those uh, special massage parlors you go to, right? It was. It was. When you hang out with uh, the Robert Kraft. Yeah, the wings and ribs on the side, yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, if this going to be that kind of party, I'm going to stick my dick in the mashed potatoes. <laughs>